The following is an exclusive presentation of Pirate Radio, the voice of the Pirate Nation. This is Eastern Carolina's longest-running sports radio show. The Brian Bailey Show is on the air. The Brian Bailey Show is powered by Greenville Utilities and also brought to you by Angus Grill, Bostic Sug Furniture, Bojangles, East Coast Grady, Papa John's, Pepsi, The Rick House, Greenville Utilities, BMS Builders, Seared Chop House, The Gavigan Agency, Taft Taft & Hagler, tiebreakers and greenville auto world and now here's brian bailey happy labor day monday everybody welcome into our show we're so glad to have you we're talking pirate football we're going to get you set for the old dominion game coming up this week of course east carolina dropping the opener 21 to 20 on a just a fabulous day for college football the fans came out 51,711, a new record crowd at Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. So many positives, but just enough negatives uh, to turn this thing into an opening day loss. 21-20 East Carolina Falls to the Wolfpack of North Carolina State. Donnie Kirkpatrick, the longtime offensive coordinator at East Carolina with two different shifts with the Pirates. He's going to join us to talk about the loss and get us ready for the Monarchs of Old Dominion. It's going to be a great holiday Monday, and we're so glad you're with us. Back with more on The Brian Bailey Show after this. You're listening to The Brian Bailey Show, powered by Greenville Utilities, providing reliable utility solutions to the Greenville region since 1905. Now, back to the show. All right, welcome back on this Labor Day Monday. As we get you set for Old Dominion coming up this week, we take a look back at last weekend's loss to North Carolina State 21-20. Our guest from his office over at East Carolina as he gets set to get the game plan ready to go for Old Dominion. Donnie Kirkpatrick joins us. And Coach, uh, how was how was the team's reaction when you guys got back together on Sunday? Well, it was pretty it was pretty solemn, I would say. It was pretty pretty quiet, I think. Uh, this was a uh it was a tough loss. This was a game that uh we put a lot into and our kids really, really worked very hard. Uh and I think that everybody in our purple uniforms, you know, was was expecting to win the game, and I think everybody felt like we should have won the game. And so uh, it was really a really tough locker room after the game. Uh, the kids took it really, really hard. Uh, I think the next day everybody woke up feeling even worse. Uh, but uh, when we did finally gather after they had they had some weights and they did some workouts and some stuff like that for the meetings, Coach Houston did a great job of uh, telling them that uh, the sun came up this morning and that uh, what's important now is the next game. And that we put that one to bed and we flushed it. And I thought as the practice went on that, that night that uh, the juice came back a little bit. The excitement started to come back. And then, you know, uh, today they're out of class because of the holiday or whatever. Most of them have been over here already this morning, either getting treatment and then getting on some film. And I see that the excitement's back, and I think we're all looking straight ahead. And you have to. That's one of the adages uh, that, that coaches go through. And we talked to Coach Houston on his show about it on Sunday because you cannot let one loss turn into two, can you? That would be the, the, the worst thing you could do. And that does happen in, in this sport, and as any sport, I think. But, you know, as, as we told the team, you know, if we had won the game and then we went and lost the game this weekend, We'd be one and one. So, you know, that 
would be the same as if we go in this week, we'll be one and one. And so that's really all it's important. You just kind of, kind of play them one at a time. That's the old cliche, but you do have to find some way to focus on that. And uh, like I say, what what's in the past, whatever you did last week, you can't let that dictate. Because if you play really, really well, you're you're just then worried that you're not going to concentrate and focus and take the next team seriously you know, enough because you're going to be celebrating the win. So there's always something, and I guess that's why coaches will always have jobs, though, which is a good thing. Uh, yeah, it is a good thing. I think Holton referenced it because, obviously, he's been around a long time, but it, it almost has the feel of the 91 season when the Pirates played Illinois. It came back, had a chance to, to, to win that football game. It was a bad call at the end, kind of put them behind the eight ball on their last drive, and they lost that game, and they ran the table after that. And, and I'm not sitting here saying that going to run the Pirates are going to run the table from there because it's a very difficult schedule and and but it just has the feeling with the experience that you have at quarterback which with the way this team played if North Carolina State truly is the 13th ranked team in the country then you got to think East Carolina's 13A or 13B don't you <laughs> well I, that I like the way you're talking there you know Holton's uh, uh is a better he, well he's older than some of the coaches I think <laughs> uh so he he has been around he knows he knows East Carolina football for sure as good as anybody. And, you know, I had really not um, thought about the 91 season, having not been here. You know, Shank had thought about it, and then, but really Holt's the first one that brought it up. And I was like, wow, I didn't realize they had lost the first game, and then they went on the run. So, uh, you know, I told the quarterbacks yesterday, let's just make this really a bad loss by going – and running the table and then thinking we could have had an undefeated season. So let's just go try to do that. And, you know, they all agreed that would be a good idea. So can't win them all this week. But what we got to do is we, we've got a good football team coming in here at ODU, a uh, team that we played a couple of years ago and had a good win, but it was a close, hard-fought win. And, and I remember them coming down here one year before, when, or not one year, but the time I was here before with Ruff, and we had a shootout with them, and we were very happy to win win that game so we've got a lot of respect for them we know a lot of their players because a lot of them are from the virginia area and the virginia beach area which is a big major recruiting area for us so we've got a lot of ties with those guys like that and of the players um you know we're we're expecting a good crowd again we're expecting a lot of excitement and we're expecting to come out with a win this time Questions or comments on our Facebook live feed, and I'll pass them along to uh, Donnie Kirkpatrick if you had an observation from the uh, 21-20 loss to North Carolina State uh, or a question. I'll be glad to pass those along to the offensive coordinator at East Carolina, Donnie Kirkpatrick, who is our guest on our show today. You know, when you think back to the state game, Coach, you know, let's talk about some of the you know generalities of the game. The running game, it seemed like State had a, had a really – we knew they were really good up front. Were they even better than maybe you thought? You know, I don't know that they were better than, than we thought as coaches because we had the utmost respect for those guys. They proved, they, they proved that they were as good as we thought they were. Uh, you know, this is a North Carolina State team that uh, returned 10 starters on defense, and they were a nationally ranked, you know, defense to start with, and so now they got a, 10 of them back, one year bigger, one year better, one, big, one year faster. So we knew this was going to be a challenge. Uh, I was concerned that we would be able to run the ball like we would like to be able to run the ball. We threw the ball early for that reason. We tried to throw the ball down the field, you know, for that reason. Uh, I do think, though, the second half, though, statistically, it won't really show that we ran the ball really well. 
our improvement with some halftime adjustments in the run game made the difference. And you know, we I guess we won the second half thirteen to nothing. Now you don't you don't get anything for winning the second half. You have to win the whole game. But I thought the running game from the very first uh, series we got the ball, uh, which we drove and scored, we got a couple of runs to pop, and then that kind of started to open some other things up in the pass game. So. You know, we got to work hard on that, obviously. we got two talented running backs. Uh, we're good enough up front. Um, but, you know, really it just kind of came down to their defense is hard to run into. And um, they were really playing to stop the run. Uh, uh, Brian Mitchell, obviously, who was here, you know, with, with Ruff the, yep. early in that deal, you know, was a secondary coach, and I visited with him. And, of course, Ruff and I have had a chance to visit with him and get their thoughts on what they were trying to do and what they thought of us. And the thing that they didn't realize was how good we were at receiver. Uh, they probably bought into what everybody else was thinking. And at one time we were thinking we were depleted at receiver. You know, with, with Audie being gone and Snead being gone, and nobody knew who these new receivers were, Jalen Johnson, Isaiah Winstead. You know, Jalen was at Georgia, but he played mostly on special teams. Isaiah, you know, Norfolk, you know, then Toledo. So they they really were stacking the run. They were doing some – line stunts and some blitzes that were run stoppers. So we were having one-on-one coverage a lot on the outside. That's why we were able to throw it better and we were able to run it. Uh, but I do think the second half we did get a couple runs going and that kind of pulled some of them back out a little bit. And they had to come in and stop the run a little bit and it opened up some more of the passes. So, uh, again, just compliment, though, to them. They, they got some really good players. We got some questions and comments coming in, so let me share some of those with you. Uh, basically, a couple of questions, and I'll re- rephrase because I'm telling you, the one thing I've learned through social media, and I think I I started learning it when Ben Hartman had his problems in the bowl game, but it's like fans will attack on social media, which is the most cowardly way to do anything. I mean, nobody wanted to make that kick any worse than Owen Daffer did, and, and it was it was set up to be the Hollywood ending. You know, he, he had the problems on the extra point. Which was really the critical play in my mind. That was the one that really gets you. Field goal kickers are going to miss from time to time, but that extra point has got to be automatic, and it wasn't this time. And we saw last night in a nationally televised game with uh, Florida State and LSU that it wasn't automatic in that game either. But it's it just baffles me the way people treat you know people. But how is Owen taking you know the miss, and and how is he going to be able to bounce back, Coach? You know, he's going to bounce back. Great. Uh, yeah, he's, he's devastated. He was after the game. We were all devastated for him. You know, we, we have to remember, you know, he's won some games for us, too. Yeah. And that, that no one play wins or loses the game. I don't think there was a player that played or a coach that coached that didn't analyze and think, well, you know, I could have done this. You know, you, you make one other throw. And that could have been the difference in two points. You know, you make one other block. You make one tackle. You, we, we only had two penalties. Both penalties hurt us. Yeah, they did. Penalty they they were late. First and 20. Yeah. When, when, when we, they weren't stopping us. They didn't stop us very much the second half. And we get a holding penalty, go first and 20. It's a little bit harder to overcome. Uh, we had a penalty, and only, but now we only had one, which was great in the special teams, that moved us back 10 yards. How about if we would have had 10 more yards closer on the field goal? So everybody could go through and look at a situation that always comes down to the last play when it's a close game like that. So you think, you know, that that was the difference. The difference last night wasn't necessarily the extra point. It, it could have been they could have scored 
other times, or they could have kept them from scoring. So, devastating deal. But you know what, kickers have to be, if nothing else, mentally tough. And Owen is extremely tough. He was back out on the practice field, really focused out there, working extra hard. You know what I'm saying? I think he went back and probably repeated that kick a hundred times. It looked like out there, you know, on, on the practice field last night. So. I had an opportunity to to text with him that night. He responded immediately, so that made me feel good that I knew he was okay. You know, he hadn't gone dark, hadn't gone into a hole. Uh, but, you know, the crowd here, you know, it's one of the big positives about being at East Carolina. It's one of the reasons I did come back to East Carolina. It's one of the reasons I told Coach Houston he should take the job at East Carolina is the passionate fan base. Uh, however, the passionate fan base can also turn negative pretty quickly, and you're right, Ben Hartman was the all-time leading scorer in school at the yeah. time. He kicked field goals that beat the University of North Carolina, which is a really big deal here. That's who everybody wants to beat. They want to beat them in state. Uh, he had won the Hawaii Bowl. He had beat Central Florida with a late kick and the whole bit. He missed the one kick, and you know what? He ain't been back since, and we've lost a great player there that has not come back to the university since then. That's a sad thing. Yeah. Uh, so, Great to have fans that are passionate. We want that. That's what makes our place special. Uh, we're all a little sometimes guilty of maybe getting things a little out of whack. Yeah, and it, it, it's so unfortunate because, you know, I, I think back to the Navy game last year, and when he trotted out there to go 54 yards, I was thinking, uh, this has got bad news written all over it. And then he kicks that one, you know, true, and the Pirates win, and it was such a great feel-good story. And then, as I said earlier, this was set up to be the Hollywood ending. You, you know, he had the problem on the extra point. He gets a chance to redeem himself. And as Coach Houston explained, he kind of overcompensated. And that if, if you've ever played golf, and you duck hook one one time and you take a mulligan and you overcompensate, you're heading right, and that's pretty much what happened. Yeah, it would it would have been a great ending, obviously. There's no better way really to beat your rival than than to, to win one like at the end. The, the you know, the we could see on the film the student section was already getting ready and getting in position. They were coming. <laughs> Rushing the field. You could see the the police were already getting lined up down there too, so it would have been a it would have been one of those ones that would have been in the hallways and the pictures, you know, say it would have been talked about forever. Uh, you know, I told Holton, I said we called too good a play, you ran too good, we should have kept it back a little bit further. It was too close. You know what I'm saying? He likes them a little bit longer in those situations. Sometimes that takes a little bit of the pressure off. But yeah, you know, we're we're proud of the team though for the way we rallied and the way oh, yeah. we didn't get defeated because at halftime I thought there was a little bit of that look in their faces when I got down from the press box and uh, kind of came out in the second half. We got a great stop on defense. We drove it. We scored. We're back in it. The excitement came back. I thought we might have been a little bit better shaped the second half condition-wise. You know, Big John does a great job of getting their kids ready like that. And, and, and of course, Coach Houston pushes them through the heat, through the humidity, you know, in preseason camp. And I thought we had them worn down. Uh, it was a shame we had one other good drive there going that we didn't get points on. So, uh, you know, the, the, we had the, what we call the hurry field goal. All the kids were just so locked in. They executed the plan. They believed in the plan. Every Thursday, the very last thing we do at practice is we have a two-minute offense, offense against defense, and we practice driving the ball in those situations where we're, where we're down like two points and we work to get that hurry field goal. And we go out there, and it was just like we were back on the practice field. Unfortunately, the football gods this time just did not bless us with that 
kick to go in, and we just got to figure it's setting up something bigger and better down the road. Don and Kirkpatrick, offensive coordinator. We've got more questions and comments coming in on our Facebook live feed, so keep those coming. We'll take a commercial break right now, take a little breather. Back with more with Coach K right after this. You're listening to The Brian Bailey Show, powered by Greenville Utilities. Community-owned, community-powered. Now, back to the show. All right, welcome back to our show. Donnie Kirkpatrick, offensive coordinator at East Carolina, joining us live from his office over on the campus at East Carolina. Lots of questions coming in on our Facebook live feed. Coach, uh, I know Holton went down early. You, you came in, um, for he came out for one play. What's his status? Is, is he okay? I know he had an MRI yesterday. Have you heard anything more? Is he okay? Oh yeah, he's fine. He he is uh, <laughs> he's a tough young man. I don't I don't know if there's anybody tougher than I've ever been around in, in a in a football uniform than Holton Aylers, you know, mentally and physically and you know what, he he takes a pound and sometimes and quarterbacks do that, you know. I always tell him, you gotta be the toughest player on the field because you know, it's kinda like the famous poet Rocky Balboa said, you know, it's not about how hard you can hit, it's about how hard you can get hit and keep getting back up, you know. And so the quarterbacks are in a vulnerable position, you know, in that pocket sometimes and have to take a hit. He did an unbelievable job of doing that. We didn't take a sack this uh, this game, which was good for us because we've struggled a little bit with that the last couple of years. He really stood, stayed in the pocket, though. But he did get a little bit banged up there, just uh, a little bit on a scramble, on a run, and made a key first down on. But, uh, you know, he was back in one play, and he was back out there yesterday, and he's already been in the office all morning in here watching film, talking football, and he's excited and ready to go. All right, Don, we got a lot of questions coming in about the, the fourth quarter. First of all, a couple of questions about the fourth and four call, 553 to play. The pack brings pressure, and I watched it again this morning to make sure I had everything uh, figured out. But the pack brought five. And Holton goes deep down the left sideline, incomplete. But and they were, were they four were there four vertical routes going on that play? No. Uh, well, I tell you what, it is one of the things you always have some things that keep you awake, and that was one of the key series. I really do think that that I wished I had back. Uh, we were in a third and four, and they they brought seven on the third and four, and we had a had a route called that we would need to throw hot on. And you know what, they, we were, and our kids really knew the game plan. I, I really thought it was one of the better things we did and that, that they knew it. State really stayed with what they did. That's the good thing about playing a team that's had success the year before. They don't change much because you, know, you don't you don't want to do that. Uh, they did bring one new blitz there, and we missed a hot. We tried to throw the wheel route, which was going to be open. We just couldn't wait long enough to let it come open. And then on the fourth and four, we really have its choice routes. So you either go deep or you hook up. It really depends on how the defender plays you. And so we got press coverage on both receivers to the field, so they had to go deep. You're not going to be open short. They're covering you short. We did have softer coverage back to the boundary. I wish we had thrown to the boundary. Hope wishes he had thrown to the boundary now, too. Would have been an easier throw. And I really felt like, you know, I wished I would have just given him a better situation. I'll put that one on me. Because uh, I really thought at that point they weren't stopping us. That is the drive that we had gotten to first and 20 because of the holding call and yeah. overcome that with a really good run by him on the quarterback draw. So I wish I could have put us in a better situation there. I wish we could have read that better. And I really think that was a key game. So that's a good observation for whoever brought that one up. 
And, and the defense obviously played lights out that second half. But those those two goal line stands, as Coach Houston said afterwards, if the Pirates had won that game, those two goal line stands would have been you know some of the greatest defensive plays in Pirate history. And and they still were, but they just won't be remembered because East Carolina didn't come up with the victory in the game. But then you get Jairo Wilson comes up with the pick with the interception, and, and you got another shot at it. Yeah, and you know, they, the funny thing about that is that the goal line stands were awesome. I was as fired up as anybody was. That's the hardest part of my job is when we do something like that. The the press box erupted. Of course, obviously, the, the stands were shaking, you know, at that point right there. Everybody, their players were so excited, not just defense players. Offensive players are excited. The kickers are excited. You know, it's just such a... Such a great job by our defense to keep them out of the end zone. And the thing was, I was just, I was, I was trying to say to the guys on the headset, and they could not hear me. We, we have to now take the ball. We're on the one yard line. We have to get this out of here. Or we're going to give them points right back. And it was really hard to get anybody to listen. You know, it was a little bit like last night. I think when when LSU scored, everybody was celebrating that, and I thought. Now the kicker's saying, hey, y'all got to calm down. We have to make this kick right here. And nobody cares about that. They, they assume the game's tied. And I was just like, it was the hardest thing to get, to get the personnel out there. Literally, it was so loud they said they couldn't hear me on the headset, even the ones that had the two head, you know, earphones to it as well. We, we've got to get that out of there. You know, out of that. We got it out of We had three of those in the game, unfortunately. We were able to get it out twice. We were not able to get it out the one time. So that was tough, but then yeah, the interception was a key play option in the game because we've got the good field position, and then we were able to go score. And at that point, I just think that's why we all thought we should have won the game because we had all the momentum, we had all the energy. Our kids were just playing great in the second half. Something that I didn't ask Coach Houston, and I thought about when I got home. But was there any thought of going for two, or was it? And you're playing at home. You got the momentum. The extra point should be automatic. You, you just kick it and and go from there. Yeah, well, there's absolutely. There's always those conversations going on throughout the game, and we have we have some analytic type things that we use as well because you know you got to figure out the scenarios and what gives you the best chance to win. You know, just based on the odds. Uh, and the time has the determining factor on that. So Coach Houston and me had been on the headset talking. If it would have been down to around one minute or something, we were going to go for two. But we had enough time, and we had the timeouts. That's the key, is that we we were able to kill the clock. So we the situation and everything analytically said, kick it, use your timeouts. One of the other toughest things on the offense is, is this thing called this four-minute offense. And, and it puts a lot of pressure on the team then that has the lead, okay, to you're backed up. you, you got to eat the clock up, but you can't screw up. You can't turn it over here, whatever. And, and, and because we had the timeouts, we could call them, put a lot of pressure on them. They couldn't run the clock out. So the, the, the right move was to kick it at that time. If it had been less time, we were definitely going for two because we were playing to win. We, we weren't playing to tie. We were playing to win the game. Wow, that, that's fascinating because we were talking about it on the sideline. I was like, like no, you're at home. You got all the momentum. Kick the extra point. You know, you know, send this game to overtime if you need to. The defense is playing so well, but that's that's great. That's great information. The Pirates are going to go for two. As Steve Logan always said, when you're at East Carolina, you go for it every time. And Mike Houston believes in that theory, doesn't he? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, 
you know, we're, we're, we didn't have very many fourth downs when we had the one fourth down in this game. It just didn't play itself out. We, we, we made first downs on third down, this, you know, which has been one of the big things for offensively after last season. There were two areas that we said we've got to improve on to take this to the next level. One of them was our third downs. As everybody knows, we struggled on some third downs now. We were struggling because we were in too many third longs. Well, North Carolina State, when we looked at all the statistical deals when we started to break them down this summer, they were one of the best third down defenses in the country. In fact, they were ranked fifth in the nation last year on third down. So they only gave up like 28% of the, the third down conversion. So it was going to be a great matchup. Now, the reason they were so good was because they got people in third and long. The reason we had been poor the year before is because we were in too many third and longs. So we've been trying to stay out of that, going for it, you know, and trying to sequence a little bit better and taking the four downs. And this time we did good, so we didn't have many fourth downs. Uh, but we're we're trying to be aggressive like that. You, you, you still have to play it smart, though. And, again, I, I don't remember exactly what the time was. I know we got the ball back, though, with two minutes yeah. and 27 seconds to go. And that's a good two-minute offense when you got that much time. So, it, he, coach was right in, in his decision, no question about that. So, so what what, Make, what was your thinking when you've got the ball with two twenty seven? You know, handling the clock and and going down the field like you did. Another question that came up was was why not try to get the ball spotted in the middle of the field? And my thought on that is you're trying to get on that last play. Holton's just trying to get as much as he can get, as close as he can get to make the field goal that much easier. And you're really not thinking about where you're landing at, right? Well, th- these are all great things, and these are what coaches sit around and, and, and we do. We spend a lot of time talking about this all the time. We we had an early discussion today away from ODU about the game last night because there were so many different clock management things that happened in that game last night. Uh, here's the whole deal. Two-minute offense, we have a formula, and this formula has been very proven. It's worked very well for us. Last year, we had four two-minute off, uh, uh, offensive situations. We scored on out of six. The one we didn't score on, or one of the two, was when we threw the Hail Mary against Appalachian, which they said we scored a touchdown, and they reviewed it took it away, which we still don't understand that. <laughs> we really should have been five or six. So the formula works. You need one second per yard, however many you need to go. I think we were on the 30-yard line, so we need 70 seconds to stay on schedule, meaning that we can run the ball a little bit, we can drop the ball off to the running backs, we can take what the defense gives us. Once you get behind that formula – You've got to make a chunk play. You've kind of got to get the ball downfield. You've got to make a bigger play. So we start off, we always just want to get the ball moving in the two-minute offense like that because then it becomes a no huddle, and I think it puts more pressure on the defense to get lined up and try to defend you. If you throw incomplete or you don't get a good run or something, then the defense kind of gains the advantage as you start to lose the downs and the time. So Holton does a great job. He comes out, he hits the back out of the backfield. It's a modest gain. Okay, but we're still above the two minute. Okay, so we got a little bit of he gets out of bounds, but you got to hurry up. They only keep the clock stopped until they get the ball spotted, but we get it rolling so we get to kick into the two minute. We catch them in uh, two man coverage. Okay, two deep. Everybody's playing man underneath. We run four verticals with the back working an HPO, which stands for halfback option route. He can go either way, hard route to cover for a linebacker. We got a total mismatch with Keaton. So he hits it. He almost takes it to the house, gets knocked out of bounds. It actually put us way ahead of the clock management situation, a little bit more than you expect. So because we were so far ahead and we were right on Owen's depth for his kicks, 
30 and in, he's pretty high percentage. Once we're inside the 25, he's 78% going to make it, okay, is what he's rated as. So, really, at that point, you're thinking, well, he's going to win the game. We're going to probably play somewhat for the field goal because you don't want to throw an interception. Right. You don't want to take a sack. You don't want to get a bunch of penalties and just beat yourself. So we ran two running plays just trying to get three, four yards, you know, two, three more each one. The one run was pretty good. The second one, we had a bust. And unfortunately, that's something that happens. Guy blocked the wrong guy, went the wrong way, and we took a tackle for a loss. So we went with the quarterback draw because you do want to get the ball more in the middle of the field. The play is designed to go up the middle, the quarterback draw. The ones we had run, we'd run two previous ones in the game, okay? They both had gone up the middle. And uh, this one, they ran a different stunt, and it forced the ball to bounce outside. Holton did a great job of reading the running lane, and he had to run to the left. But he also got nine yards, which put us to the 24, which, again, like I say, now his kicking rate went way up. And so you know what, they don't all have to have him exactly in the middle. He's, he doesn't really have a preference that much. So it, it was a place we felt like he could have kicked it there, but just it just didn't work out. No, it didn't. It was a storybook ending to be, but it just didn't happen. And now the Pirates have to put that game behind them. And Old Dominion comes to town. The Monarchs beat Virginia Tech Friday night. So we'll talk about that coming up as we continue on. Donnie Kirkpatrick, fascinating conversation with the offensive coordinator of East Carolina. And it continues on this Labor Day Monday after this. You're listening to The Brian Bailey Show, powered by Greenville Utilities. Community-owned utilities mean local control, low rates, and high reliability. Now, back to the show. All right, welcome back. Donnie Kirkpatrick, Offensive Coordinator at East Carolina, our guest on this holiday Monday, getting you set for East Carolina and Old Dominion, 6 o'clock kickoff this week at Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. All right, Coach, I got one question that it, it bugs me every time I see it, and I wonder why teams do this. When you've got the football at the half yard line, or the one-yard line, and teams go into the shotgun. Is it because teams just don't go under center very much at all, so you don't want to chance it? Or what is it? Because you go back four yards to try to gain one, and I've always questioned that. Well, I, I will say that's that's a good question, too, that uh, we do discuss quite a bit as well. Uh, I do think it's it's got several answers. You're right. One is, is that a team like us, which is pretty common now in college football, it, we are primarily all shotgun. So you don't get under, you don't have a lot of plays from under. So that would limit you to what you could run. Uh, the other thing, I guess, is, you know, if you're underneath center, and the court, unless the quarterback runs the ball in the sneak, he does take the ball backwards to the running back. So it's the same difference. You're, you're getting it, you're already back, but then you're moving forward, which is easier to do and, and much quicker. Because, like I say, the quarterback has to turn around and take it back to the running back. If you take it, you're still taking it back off the line of scrimmage. Uh, we were in a situation there, and, and we did end up scoring, but we were probably half yard line, like you say. Uh, what we originally tried to do, or I wanted to do, was run the quarterback sneak with Holton, who's been really good at that. Yeah, yes. Um, South Florida got us last year. That was the only time we had a little bit of a miscue right there. North Carolina State runs a very similar defense to like what Cincinnati does. 
they're in this odd front, and they got a nose that is up there smelling what the center had for breakfast. <laughs> and the Oklahoma State is really good at it too. And so uh, going into the game, I had said, and Coach Houston had told me as well, we'll probably need to be a little smart about when to use the quarterback sneak because, you know, they got such a good nose and he's right up there on the center and that's that's not the best situation. And that's kind of what had happened in South Florida. So originally I was still going to call it because it was so darn close, but then we decided to run a run play and uh, we did, we, we got an all-out blitz. Holton checked the one play and threw it to uh, – CJ, who CJ made a great play. That probably wasn't our best decision to throw that ball at that time. Uh, but that's why we didn't get up under, because really that's what we would have probably have done is run the sneak. And their defense is just really kind of set up to play that pretty well. So we tried to run another quarterback run there that they did a great job at just smashing us. It, it, we, we missed a block or two there at tight end, though that still always kind of comes back to just execution. It's a game of blocking and tackling. And then we threw the little spider play that's kind of famous in the West Coast offense there to, to Shane, so we, we got away with it. But, yeah, that's that's probably a lot more than you wanted for that answer right there, but that's that's what I got. How much did Holton check off during the game? I mean, how many times did he change the play at the line of scrimmage? You know, quite a bit in, in different ways. We had quite a bit of uh, play at the line. which We, we have packages of things to where uh, we, we call a play that has three different plays to it. So, you know, um, North Carolina State runs a lot of different complex, different schemes defensively. And, again, they're such a veteran defense, they can execute all those. So there was quite a bit of plays where he would come up and look to the weak side or the open side, and if we got the look we wanted to run that play, we would run it. If he didn't get that look, he would run the ball play the opposite play to the other side. And then if they were in a blitz, which they do a lot, there was a third choice, which is a better blitz play. Uh, with all those three plays there, there is an RPO, a run-pass option, that is built in. So he would always have the option if they didn't cover down one of the receivers closely, if that was what we would call a gimme, meaning you literally can take it and throw it and he can catch it, and they're not defending that play really he can take the option to go throw the ball. So that was a big part of the game plan because they line up to one formation in about three or four different ways, and that way we could get the best play call. Now the run games didn't really seem to pop on that, so it didn't seem to work, but it was a really good plan. He did throw some of the RPOs that were good and were were successful. Then there were some other situations where he just had to get us out of a play that was bad play because mainly because of a blitz or a stunt like that too. Uh, and then there are pass plays where we just call maybe a protection and then we put a, a word on it that tells him versus this look, go to this pass, versus this, go to this version of it. Or go to, He's got about three choices. He did a really good job with that. He does a great job with that. He gets us in a lot of that. Uh, another big part of what he has to do is that he has to get the, the defense ID'd, as we say. And that's the thing about the blitzes, is they can always bring one more guy that, that you can block with because he has the ball. So they actually have us outnumbered 11 to 10 when you look at it like that. That's the same for everybody. But if you can read the blitz and you can tell the line which way to slide and tell the back which way to go, you can pick up their blitzes. And we were 
perfect on that. He was perfect on that, except for the one time they had one new look, and that was the one on the third and four that they brought a look. And we wasted. We had a we had a left guard who had nobody to block because we got it ID'd in a way that uh, was wasn't the correct one, and, and and that was no fault of his. We'd never seen him do that, and, and and that happens in a game always at some point. Everybody has something new. We have a new play that they didn't see, you know, that, that, that they did not been able to scout as well. Everybody does that. So he's got a lot going on out there mentally. Coach, we got a question coming in about the transfers at receiver. Uh, they, I think they struggled a little bit early, but they came on in the second half, didn't they? Yeah, I, that's a great question, too. I, I will have to say the people that call in your show are the intelligent fans. <laughs> they, they ask good questions out there. I don't know about that other show. <laughs> Appreciate that. It, it might be. It might be because it's the difference between you and Billy Weaver. Oh, oh, there you go. Still, Billy. Uh, I'm just kidding, there, Billy. You know we love you because you're a Redskins fan. Uh, <laughs> what was the question? Oh, the question about the wideouts. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I thought we dropped some balls in the first half, and you know what? I think the uh, the the transfer guys or whatever, you know, like, were probably part of that. I think maybe they were a little bit keyed up, to be honest with you. It was a big moment for them. Uh, they were pretty emotional about it. You know, the crowd was just just, just so good, and the atmosphere was just so good, and the game was just so big to our players and to our fans that I think maybe we did have a little bit of the jitters. I thought once they got banged around a little bit and then they kind of calmed down, you know, and had a script in the game plan to try to get a lot of different guys to touch the ball so we could get everybody kind of in the groove a little bit, you know. You know, try to get Keaton the ball, try to get Raji the ball, try to get Isaiah the ball, try to get CJ the ball, Shane the ball. we got a lot of different guys, and that's a good thing, but sometimes you got to be careful about that too. So I was trying to spread it around a little bit, but I think once uh, the Isaiah kind of got a couple of catches, you know, he had won that one touchdown drive, he was just unstoppable. And that was one of the things that I, I, I'd said you know, earlier was Coach McNeil and, and Coach Mitchell both had said, we didn't know about the transfer. We didn't know how good they were. We had no way of knowing that. So we were stopping the run, and then once y'all started throwing it to them, that, that really gave us some concern there. So I think they'll, they'll be settled down. Hopefully they will be right from the get-go. And I think you're going to see some really good play out of those guys. I thought CJ playing in the slot like he did. I mean, he brings a new dimension. He, you know, it, it, it's different than what we've had in the past. He's bigger, stronger. So when he catches the football and, and makes that spin move, he can break a tackle. Yeah, he. You know, I can't stand up good about CJ right now. Though we kind of jokingly say we're just not going to talk about CJ because <laughs> he seems to be going better. That's we right. Play low key with him a little bit. Um, but, you know, I went to him early, and I told him before the game, the first play was designed for it to go to him. It was a it was an option route. He made a good choice there, and Manholton threw a dime there. Put it right away from the defender, and then he makes a short throw into a nice little bit game because he does have that strength. He's got those strong hands. He's ability to catch the ball in his hands. And, you know, he's playing the position that Tyler Snead's been playing for us the last couple of years. They are totally different. Yeah. And so it's kind of redefined that that position a little bit but we've always you know had those guys we call the h receivers be successful uh Dwayne harris played that for us uh years ago and cj's like Dwayne in that they're so darn strong they can run through tackles they can break tackles they can catch balls that are contested or in tight areas so 
the the, the position has kind of gone back to a little bit more the way it was when we had Dwayne. Another question just came in about uh, why does East Carolina not have a designated quarterback coach? You work with the QBs, right, Coach? Yeah, yeah, we got one. So that 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 <laughs> good question there. Donnie Kirkpatrick, I don't list him as a quarterback coach. I list him as the offensive coordinator. All right. Now, now Virginia Tech and Old Dominion played on Friday night. And as we go to break, I watched most of the second half of that game while we were getting ready for high school football coverage on touchdown Friday. And I couldn't figure out if both teams had great defenses or both teams had bad offenses. So we'll talk about that with Donnie Kirkpatrick as we close out our show in our last uh, little segment. Back to wrap things up with Coach K after this. You're listening to The Brian Bailey Show, powered by Greenville Utilities, working for our community, not for shareholders. Now, back to the show. All right, welcome back on this Labor Day Monday. Back to wrap things up with Donna Kirkpatrick, the offensive coordinator at East Carolina. All right, coaches, we went to break. I was talking about Virginia Tech and Old Dominion. Were they great defenses we saw or bad offenses or a combination? You know, I, I, I'm not sure how to answer that. I'll <laughs> yeah. say this. OD, ODU is pretty good on defense, and I'm sure Virginia Tech is as well. I kind of stay in my own lane. I don't really watch it the other way as much. I didn't get an opportunity to watch the game on TV, but I have watched it, obviously, on the film. And, uh, you know, yeah, they're probably good good on defense uh, is what I would probably think and because and, I know that there's some talent on their offenses as well over there. Uh, so we're, we're expecting a good defense to come in here. Again, Coach Harrell can tell you about the offense a little bit more, but they they got some really good talent, especially up front. Uh, they've got uh, just some guys that can run and hit, and uh, yeah, they they got a good solid scheme. And you know, we, we got one game uh, on them from this year, so it's one game better than we had last week. We've watched a lot of the stuff from last year. Uh, the thing that concerns me is they they didn't really run the same defense that they ran last year. So now you're not sure, was that just because they were playing Virginia Tech? They they were in a different scheme, you know, so you don't know what to study as well. And that's always a case, though, early in the season. So we'll just concentrate mostly on us, trying to correct our mistakes, trying to play a little bit better. The key for us offensively is we got to score more points. You know what I'm saying? That's That's the thing. Score more points, we'll win. Yeah, and I think when you look at, at at your side of the football, obviously you want to get those running backs going. You want to try to you know pop a couple there, and you just try to establish things because when you can get that running game going, that opens up so many things down the field. And, and I think that you know, as you said, NC State they may be a, a step above most teams in the country on that defensive line. So I think we'll see a little bit of different things right there with Old Dominion. And this is another one of those games that that really it should be played a lot. Like State and East Carolina should play every year old dominion in east carolina they're two hours apart i mean it could become a really nice rivalry we've had really good games with the monarch so far haven't we yeah we we, we have and i and i hope that our people will will have that respect for odu you know i know that and i grew up in this state and i grew up in this region so i i know that you know the acc schools are the deal and everybody wants to play them and that's such of a rival for us and 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 that was great because the buzz really helped our players, I think, to prepare and play well and have that energy. I hope we will continue to do that again this week because, again, this is just as big a game in the end. 
and, and then every week they get bigger and bigger, and you get into the conference as well. And so we're looking to have a great atmosphere again. I'm I was really, really super pumped about the pirate support last week. You know, this this staff had come in, and of course, me and Misty had been here before, and the staff used to always say to us, you know, you used to always talk about what great crowds and what what great atmosphere it was there. I don't see that. And then this week, they all came up to her and said, "Now I know what you're talking." Yeah, about. you're right. I, I do see it. Now the pandemic hurt some of that. Right. We'll blame some of it on that. There's some other things though. Probably don't have as good an excuse. So we need to keep that atmosphere going. I know we got a four game homestand, which I know the fans don't love. Well, we kind of like it. It's going to be good to be back home again. We got to defend the turf here, and we got to start getting it where we don't lose at home. And that's that's our job. We got we got we got to coach them better. We got to play better. And I think it's going to all start this week. We'll have a lot of recruits here again this week. I know one thing that really helped our recruiting last week. I'd say blown away. They were all blown away. Uh, the kids were, and we got a lot of guys ready to jump on board just based on they came and saw what big time college football looks like. That was my next question, Coach. How does that atmosphere on Saturday against North Carolina State compare with some of the the big time atmospheres? You know, when you guys were winning conference USA championships and, and that kind of thing. You know, it reminded me of back when when we were rolling really, really well, and uh, you know that that was great just to just to feel that and just feel the excitement. I just know I, I was so happy for our players. I was happy for those guys like Holton and his class that had come through really some hard times, some really negative times here, and like I say, the pandemic obviously added to that. Playing in front of a really an empty stadium and you know they they came here you know like Houghton had been here a lot but those other guys were recruited based on really good crowds when we were winning nine and ten games and you know competing for conference championships and stuff like that uh so they they had not gotten a chance to really experience that very much but they sure do now and I know they're they're excited about the rest of the season yeah, you know, kind of a similar atmosphere when uh, the Pirates put seventy on the heels that day. That was a magical day at Dowdy Ficklin, too, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. That's there's some great memories of, of of that game, and you know, I'd reflected back on the the memories of when we, you know, when they, and Magazoo picked off yeah. Russell there, you know, being there for all those type of things too. So that's why I say there's always been that great atmosphere for the Carolina and the North Carolina State. You know, we need that atmosphere, though, all the time. That's what you have at Alabama. That's what you have at South Carolina. That's what you have at those SEC-type schools like that. Don't matter who you're playing, you know what I'm saying, the, the, the stands are going to be swaying is what we used to say when I was in South Carolina. And they have they have a tremendous program there. And, and, and we do, too. We do, too. We, we got the best of the best right here. There's nothing better than being a Pirate. And, um, obviously, uh, we're, we're just really fired up about this season. We flushed the last week. We'll 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 brood over that after the bowl game this year about how we could have, should have, would have, or whatever. But hopefully, we'll have a lot of good memories from this season because this senior class deserves it. Old Dominion on the clock. The Monarchs and the East Carolina Pirates coming up at uh, six o'clock on Saturday at Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. Coach, your final thoughts on Old Dominion? What's the key on offense for this Pirate football team? We got to score more points. You know that's the key right there. Is we gotta, we do got to get the run game going. We got to get it all going. You know what I'm saying? Everybody gives me great advice. Uh, some say throw it every time. Some say run it. All the time. <laughs> you know, I just say just go score, just go win. So that's what it comes down to. Is you have to do somewhat what the defense is giving you. And otherwise, you're running uphill or you're pounding salt a little bit too. So we have the ability to be balanced to do both. 
that's what we got to do. We got to eliminate those turnovers too. Wasn't you know very pleased with with those. One, the one throw probably just happens. The other one was a was a mistake there where the quarterback receiver weren't on the same page. So we got to clean those things up. And you know usually your biggest improvement is from week two, from week week one. So if we can do that, it should be a good Saturday night. Donnie, thanks so much for the time, man. Fascinating conversation. We certainly appreciate you. We've appreciated you for a long, long time here at East Carolina, and uh, you do a great job. Looking forward to Saturday. Thank you, man. I appreciate you. All right. Donnie Kirkpatrick, offensive coordinator, joining us here on the Brian Bailey Show on this Labor Day Monday. Pirates and the Monarchs, 6 o'clock on Saturday. Get your butt to Daddy Ficklin Stadium because that football team put on a great show despite the 21-20 loss. And it should be a great atmosphere again at the Fick coming up on Saturday night. We'll see you back here next week on the Brian Bailey Show. This is the Brian Bailey Show. Powered by Greenville Utilities and also brought to you by Angus Grill, Bostic Sug Furniture, Bojangles, East Coast Grady, Papa John's, Pepsi, The Rick House, Greenville Utilities, BMS Builders, Seared Chop House, The Gavigan Agency, Taft Taft and Hagler, Tiebreakers, and Greenville Auto World. Join us next week for another edition of The Brian Bailey Show right here on Pirate Radio.